One year ago, I finally got fed up with Windows. The buggy updates, the lengthy installation times, the constant nags, the telemetry, the bloatware, your privacy settings getting, oops, accidentally reset. I found Ubuntu. Now, when I made that switch in July 2018, all I really wanted out of my daily driver was something simple, headache-free. An OS that respected my privacy, didn't constantly annoy me, and just got out of my way and let me work. That's not exactly what happened. I went down the rabbit hole. Well, I went down a lot of rabbit holes. If you would have told me a year ago that I'd be some kind of Linux influencer, a critic that big distributions were paying attention to, I would have called you crazy. Distro hopping? Hell no! Don't have time for that. Using the command line, setting up Nextcloud and Mumble servers, benchmarking games on Linux, you're insane. Fast forward to today, and I think about 90% of what I write at Forbes is all about Linux and all about the open source world. At first, I considered it a hobby, you know, a, a diversion, a side project, a risk, honestly, at least a professional risk. Then it became something I looked forward to waking up every day and writing about, just throwing myself into it headfirst. That's because something happened. The something that grabs hold of you in a completely unexpected way. The something that compels us to keep exploring, keep digging deeper into that rabbit hole and all those other rabbit holes. Well, this show is about that something. This is Linux for Everyone, Episode 1. Welcome home. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Linux for Everyone. This is episode one, and I am uh, very, very happy that you're here. So thank you for listening, uh, regardless of how you got here. I really appreciate that you are here. My name is Jason Evangelo. I am a senior contributor at Forbes.com. I am definitely a Linux junkie, a Linux advocate. And so as you could kind of tell by the intro... This show marks the beginning of year two of uh, this little journey of mine, but I feel like I want to catch you up a little bit. I want to set the stage, uh, give you kind of a, a glimpse into my mindset, and go over some highlights from my first year with Linux, because it's been a very personal journey. That that is bled over, of course, into my professional uh, life, but it has been very personal in a very, very positive way. And that's, as I said um, on one of my last episodes of Choose Linux, the best thing about Linux is not a, it's not an operating system. It's the community. That being the case, I am really looking forward to getting the community involved in this show. So uh, stay tuned, and I'll talk about that uh, towards the end of the episode. So it's July 2018, and I'm primarily writing about, well, everything. <laughs> uh, over at Forbes, I'm writing about the Nintendo Switch. 
AMD graphics cards and NVIDIA graphics cards and and uh, Intel and laptops and gadgets and PC gaming. And I'm just throwing uh, everything at the wall to see what sticks. I was writing about cryptocurrency, about mining, so many different things, and I felt really distracted. It was it was wake up and find the news and and write something that people are going to click on and get paid. Now, I'm not remotely saying that my job at Forbes sucks because it's it's incredible. Uh, I get to wake up every day and sit on a balcony or sit in the sit in the office at home and just write and I can do that from anywhere in the world. But what has happened a year later and what continuously inspires me to keep going with this is the fact that now I I wake up and I tell myself what do I want to learn today about Linux? What do I want to explore? And I can spend time with that and write it up, and it's not dependent on breaking news, you know? (laughs) The news cycle doesn't matter as much, and people show up and read it. And I'm so grateful to, if anyone's listening, and you have clicked on any of my Linux articles at Forbes, I really do appreciate it, because now I can make a paycheck writing what I really, really love. But how did I get here? Because in that article I wrote one year ago, uh, it was, I believe it's called Ditching Windows, colon, two weeks with Ubuntu Linux on the Dell XPS 13. <laughs> I wrote some things in there that have obviously changed. I wrote things like, will I benchmark the latest games and test new graphics cards on Linux? No way. <laughs> and any of you who know me and and who've read my content or follow me on Twitter know that that certainly doesn't apply <laughs> at this point. I also stopped being afraid of the command line. I'm by no means an expert, but it kind of is what I default to when I'm doing updates or installing software or doing some troubleshooting. Never thought that would happen. I also never dreamed uh, that I'd love the XFCE desktop environment. And never in a million years did I imagine that I would have my own uh, open source project on GitHub and be using Visual Studio to, to manage that. And so much has changed from that first article, and so much has even changed from the last six months. And the community that formed around this coverage and this journey has sort of grown up with me. And that is a remarkable feeling to have thousands of people supporting you and paying attention and helping you take that adventure even further. I think that early on, what really shifted that whole attitude that I had about Linux. Uh, It was August, I believe, 2018, when Valve introduced Proton. So that was about a month after I had switched to Linux. And it really felt exciting. After I realized I'm I'm sort of in on the, the ground floor of this Linux gaming renaissance, you know, I, man, I really miss all the games that I could play on Windows. But I prefer the privacy and the stability and uh, the more user-friendly nature of, uh, at the time, uh, I was using Ubuntu. But now, suddenly, there's literally thousands of games playable overnight that would have been considerably more uh, difficult to get up and running without that Proton compatibility layer, without the new version of Steam Play that just said, hey, click install. 
well, and cross your fingers a bit, let's be honest, but many, many more of those games work than than what Valve has whitelisted, of course. And yeah, there were solutions like Lutris out there, but I hadn't even heard of it yet. And so that sparked my curiosity. And that really made me think, well, maybe let's see how gaming actually is on Linux. Let's give it a shot. Let's, you know, stop playing games on my Switch and on my Xbox and really get back into PC gaming again and see what it's capable of on Ubuntu or your distribution of choice. And now if you look at many different games, they are as performant on Linux as they are on Windows, even if they're running through Proton. Um, Many native games on games that are native to both platforms uh, there are certain cases where Linux actually wins and in, in we're looking at average frame rate, but I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent. The point is that every couple months, it seemed like there was a new kind of revolutionary push forward in performance and in drivers. And that was so thrilling to experience and to cover and to test. And that's something that Linux always throws in in your face in the in the best way, you know? There's always something new and exciting to check out. I just realized, it's funny because I wanted something boring, you know? I wanted something that would just melt into the background and let me write or let me watch Netflix or just let me use my computer the way I want to use it. And man, at the time, I had no idea just how many ways that I could use my computer the way that I want it, or use my tablet, or my phone, or my Raspberry Pi, or how cool it would be to dig into all the little nuances and the differences between a Pop! OS and an Ubuntu, between a Manjaro and a pure installation of Arch Linux, or how much I'd learn about the hardware and the the foundation of, you know, a, a kernel, a Linux operating system from just installing Arch manually. And so I don't know if people feel this way about Windows or Mac OS or Android. I never did. But with Linux, I think it comes down to this. The more I learn, the more I want to learn. And the more I want to share what I'm learning because... So many people have come to me and said, dude, I've been using Linux for like 10, 15, 20 years, and I just learned something reading your article about Pop! OS or reading your Linux gaming report or something like that. And so it just goes to show that it's such a massive ecosystem and a massive community and a massive world of possibilities that... You never can assume that everybody knows everything. So yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I think that is probably the right place to transition over into talking about this show. Just like my Linux journey has evolved and surprised me and changed so much over the last 12 months, I want this show to evolve and change and grow alongside you guys. So what you're hearing right now on episode one, I don't think every episode will be like this. Uh, Right now, I just wanted to set the stage and get you into my head a little bit and kind of show you where I'm coming from. But the blueprint for this show is it's it's a solo hosted thing. 
And I feel comfortable doing that because obviously I can blab on for quite a while and hopefully uh, the editing process will make that a little more bearable for you guys. But that's not to say that I will be the only voice you hear. Uh, I have plans for other guests to appear on the show, whether that's uh, members of the community or open source and game developers, you name it. Um, and especially people who can add a conflicting opinion or or a, a deeper level of insight that maybe I can't provide or just an interesting discussion about a certain topic. So, I mean, I hope that you <laughs> like my voice and I hope you don't get sick of it. Uh, but rest assured that the format will be a little bit different going forward. There's going to be things like distro challenges and the Linux gaming report and interviews. The point is, this show is for you. So if you want to hear something, if you want to hear something change, if you want to sound off about anything at all, just reach out and talk to me. You can do that on Telegram, Facebook, and Twitter. The tag for all three of those social media accounts is Linux, the number four, everyone. So that's Linux, the number four, everyone. Yeah, I wish I could have written out Linux for everyone properly, but Twitter has a limit on the username. And so I wanted to make it consistent across all the social media networks. And uh, there you have it. If social media is not your thing, that's perfectly fine. I set up a email account uh, via ProtonMail. And that address is linuxforeveryone at pm.me. So linuxforeveryone at pm.me. As far as getting the show on your favorite podcasting client... We're in the early stages here, so I'm working on that. But as those go live, you'll find them all linked at the show's website, which is linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. That's linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. Well, all right. With my uh, long-winded personal rant out of the way and housekeeping finished up, let's look towards episode two. Now... A lot of us are afflicted by DHS, and that is, of course, distro hopper syndrome. And I don't want to really do anything to cure that because it's a lot of fun, so I'm just going to encourage it. With that in mind, I will be taking a look at Endeavor OS, and I'd love to invite you to come along for that journey as well. I recently covered this at Forbes. It's pretty brand new, actually. It is an Arch-based Linux distribution that is sort of the spiritual successor to Antergos. And a lot of people were really disappointed to find out that Antergos recently closed up shop. I think that was in May. But there were a few people who wanted to keep that spirit of a installer-friendly Arch distribution with a really helpful, uh, friendly community as its foundation. And so they just recently launched Endeavor OS. And uh, you can check that out at Forbes, but we're going to go into the weeds a little bit next time on episode two. So give it a download, run it in a VM or, or install it clean on a extra device that you may have. And spoiler, it features a lightly themed XFCE desktop environment. So I'm a bit excited about that. I've only played with it for like five minutes. So we're kind of going to be doing this together. And if you can, try to pay attention to the Linux for Everyone social media accounts because I want to hear your feedback on this distro and I want the audience to hear it as well. So stay tuned 
Once again, shameless plug, Linux, the number four, everyone on Twitter, Telegram, and Facebook. Well, everybody, I think that is going to do it for episode one. A bit shorter than what you can normally expect. Uh, Something to get the vocal cords warmed up and get the RSS feed warmed up and just kind of set expectations and uh, get you all up to speed. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can find uh, show notes, the links, the social media stuff, your RSS feeds, and all that good stuff over at linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. But before I say goodbye, I want to introduce a regular segment called Songs from the Source. Something I want to do is take you out each episode with a little spotlight on a musician or band who uses nothing but free and open source software to create their tunes. And this particular tune is really special. It is from Rob Vandenberg. He took part in something called the One Synth Challenge. And this song was created using the uh, free and open source digital audio workstation Ardor, which probably many of you have heard about. And like I said, it's special. Imagine if... The Mario theme song, the Super Mario theme song that you all, everybody knows, that one. If that were a polka, well, folks, I am pleased to introduce you to Penguin Polka by Rob Vandenberg. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you for episode two. Take care, and take care of each other. <laughs>